All right, welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for the Athletic. We're going to talk about the Washington football team a little bit with our friend Matt Parrish from the Washington Times, but no disrespect to Matt. The big guest today is offensive coordinator Scott Turner, but he's here to talk about the Wizards and Russell Westbrook, and I will explain why. Um, it's a good explanation. Uh, and also it was a good interview. So we'll, we'll get to that. He talked, we, 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 I'll explain that in a minute. Just stay, just stay tuned. Uh, we'll also talk about Ryan Kerrigan officially going to the Philadelphia Eagles. I've got some notes on Bobby McCain's contract and Matt and I will discuss a little bit of wizards as well. Also, I have a, a new story up on the athletic that I want to get into if that has to do with the turf, um, big change going on there at FedEx field. We'll get to all that and more here in just a few moments on the Standing Room Only podcast, which of course you can subscribe to on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere you do your podcasting. Always appreciate the people who, who leave nice ratings uh, about uh, the podcast and reviews. It definitely is appreciated. I promise you that. Um, and by the way, also for those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, uh, big, big thumbs up since that's where I get paid. Uh, but also uh, if, you're, if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join right now for $1 a month for six months. I don't know what to do more than that. You'd be able to read my turf story, what NFL scouts had to say about the Washington football team, my thoughts on the rookie camp and all that good stuff um, as well. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. Matt is, okay, I'm doing this by memory, at Matthew underscore Paris. That's correct. And of course, read him at the Washington Times. Matt also has entered the podcast game. You just have gotten started. What are you? I don't know what you got, episode two or three at this point? Yeah, we've had two out. Uh, on the Washington Times, uh, I believe it's called District of Sports. So <laughs> you, can, you can follow that, but you can find it through the Washington Times website. It, it's there. All right. Well, great. Well, welcome, welcome to the club. Um, uh, so we'll we'll get to Scott Turner in, in, in a few minutes. Um, I, I will just say, just to well, actually, we'll, we'll all right. I'll just say it now. Uh, I think Matt. Well, Matt saw this because I told Matt. Um, I, I, are you? Are, are you aware? Had you already noticed that Scott Turner is apparently big into the Wizards and Russell Westbrook? I had, yeah. He had been tweeting about them, and then I believe he went on NBC as well. To, yeah, but no, he's never talked to anybody this. else on a podcast about anything I'm other than this just, one. Just television, just a short two-minute little hit, not a not a twenty-minute or however long you got him. This is no, I I look I I did I'm really bad as Matt can attest. Like we'll say I'll say we're gonna talk for 20 minutes, then like an hour and a half goes by. I I, I had Scott turn off for 25 minutes. I really thought it was like 10. Um but anyway, so yeah, so he tweets about the Wizards a lot. Now Scott Turner did grow up here a little bit, obviously, when his dad was the coach and he's a big basketball fan and you know whatever local the, the local coaches seem to support the teams and that's nice right so he tweets a lot about the wizards and russell westbrook specifically and after they clinched the other day to make clinch meaning to make the the, the plan i he tweeted congrats or whatever and i tweeted uh all i want is scott turner to come on my podcast but only to talk about russell westbrook and the wizards now he follows me on twitter we've had never we've had no interactions i've never uh, you know primary my primary conversation with scott turner is over zoom where i'm just one of the several faceless well i guess not faceless he can see us but like you know one, one of the random reporters he then retweets it i'm like what the so I, I tweet at him and say is that a yes he then quote tweets that and says let's do it uh i still didn't believe it was happening but 
I he was on my Zoom today, so we did have a conversation um, about that. I will say, uh, for the record, I was basically told I can't talk to him about the football team because th- that's just the way I, I guess because I inadvertently set the parameters too strict. I guess I don't know. It was kind of weird. Um, I did ask though the question. Why do all former college basketball players become tight ends? I think I thought that was sort of pertinent. Yes. Do, no, do you... I want to know. I mean, shoot, uh, you know, Samus Reyes, next Tony Gonzalez. Who, who knows? Uh, Anything's possible. We also discussed like what position Russell Westbrook would play. And also like this, the idea, and it's something actually Matt had suggested to me was like the idea that football is becoming like basketball with the way teams are using uh you know, multiple, you know, so many receivers and, and, and it's becoming this bigger spread, spread the field type situation. So it was an interesting conversation. We'll get to all that in just a few minutes. Um, I guess we got to start with Ryan Kerrigan. Um, we, we, he, he tweeted. So after I posted the podcast last night, he, I've not tweeted, he posted on Instagram, a send off message to Redskins fans saying, Hey, it's been real. I really appreciate you guys, but more or less I'm out of here, but it was still vague. It was like, well, wait, are you, are you signing somewhere else? Are you retiring? Like, what's going on? I figured he wasn't retiring, but I don't know. And then early this morning, we hear he's signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that's weird, uh, to say the least. We've we've seen this before. Brian Mitchell went that way. Deshaun Jackson came this way. But nonetheless, for a guy like Kerrigan, who, you know, like Mitchell, was you know is an all-time legend in these parts, it's going to be super weird seeing him. But uh, – I wrote about him on The Athletic today. I'm pretty sure Matt did as well. Not on The Athletic, on The Washington Times. And uh, look, obviously, all-time franchise leader in sacks. Very nice guy. Did a lot for charity in town. Uh, Has a charity golf tournament every year. And, you know, look, he was a role model in that team. And I don't say that lightly. He was a guy to people to look up at um, and all that. For you, um, what's what's your primary thought as Ryan Kerrigan is leaving Washington to go to Philadelphia? Well, one, I, I'd say good for him. I mean, if he's excited about this opportunity, uh, I think he should be, you know. Ryan Kerrigan, for so many years, was the face of just bad Washington teams. You know, he was he was the guy who was better than the rest of the group, for the most part, uh, outside a couple of guys. And, you know, he, he really set the stage. He played through pretty much every injury up until 2018 when his Ironman streak was um, ended. But... You know, the thing, uh, I think it makes sense to move on. You know, he really couldn't see the field here. Amante Sweat and Chase Young, they, they had established their roles here. And, you know, we talk about a pass rushing rotation, keeping those guys fresh. But if they're really your stars at the end of the day, which they are, you know, they, they need to be on the field as much as possible. And, you know, I, I think his snaps would be just less and less as the years go on here. So, you know, I, I think it makes sense. The only question I have is – you know, in Philadelphia, I guess he could earn a starting spot, but, you know, uh, Brandon Graham, his spot is uh, solidified there. And um, Derek Barnett, too, is, you know, he's only 24 years old, and so he's pretty young, and he's the starter on the other side. So it looks like he's going to be a rotational passer here in Philadelphia. So that part I was a little confused by, but, you know, he was unsigned until May, so maybe he compromised there. I mean, he said, you know, part of the reason why he seemed pretty – adamant at the end of the year the, like it, among the many several reasons why it didn't seem logical he would be coming back um was that he said he wanted to start and play as much as possible and like you said there's no room at the end um here of course i we don't know what his contract terms are yet but um 
the, uh, the you know, at, at a basic level, um, it's hard to go from 11, 11 and a half million dollars. Let's just say, let's just say it's two or 3 million. It's hard to do that in the place that you just made the 11 and a half million and you're the all time franchise leader in sacks. That's tough on the ego. And, you know, at the end of the day, also, like you said, for Washington, it just didn't, I mean, it makes sense from a locker room perspective, but there's a lot, you know, you, sometimes you do have to know when, when, when to pull, pull the plug, by the way. So now in the last year, Washington has let go Trent Williams, Nick Sundberg and Ryan Kerrigan. Those are the three longest tenured players on the team. Now it's Morgan Moses and Tress way, I believe with those honors. So that is a lot of presence we'll say at a minimum if not leadership that's gone out the door in the last few weeks and obviously you know Brandon Scherf it looks like he'll be here this year but now his situation's up in the air as well so um interesting look best of luck to Ryan Kerrigan he was you know not the most quotable of players but he was always nice he was always um you know when he was there at his locker uh willing to talk um he also when when he last signed off on his last zoom um after they lost to the Bucks, he he was he made a point of saying how that he was he was thanking us for covering him and he thought it was he was cool that i mean just you know that you know what goes a long way for us uh but yeah like i said it was always nice it was always cool um you know i i don't know what else to say if you, if you I, I wrote this in my story today anybody who bought it you know sometimes you see these people wearing jerseys for players like oh no <laughs> that you bought you know you you know the, the rg3 jersey or the whatever you Dang. bought the carrot what's Dang. that Saying I should keep my Terrell Pryor jersey in the closet? Yeah, pro- 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 <laughs> probably. I saw I was at the Orioles game the other day. Somebody's wearing a Chris Davis jersey. I was like, "Are you serious? You, you couldn't the lead, the league in home runs for?" Like uh, it's, it's, yeah, well, it's been it's been something else since. Um, but anyway, if you invested in that Ryan Kerrigan jersey, you got your money's worth, and you can wear it for the rest of the time. He will, um, you know, he'll he'll go down as one of the best to play here. Now, of course, if the Eagles somehow beat Washington in one of those two late season games and kicks them out of the playoffs somehow and Brian Kerrigan's involved. Well, maybe you'll be unhappy for that day, but hopefully you'll be okay. Longer term. I did have one thought. I just thought of this while we were talking yesterday. I did a podcast uh, with our friend, Nikki Javala, and I came up with like random questions. And one of them involved sort of this hypothetical, like who had a better chance to start Taylor Heineke, Cornelius Lucas, or Matt Ioannidis. It was a sort of a way to just get Matt Ioannidis in the conversation because whatever. And I was sort of like joking, but like, not really. Cause like, while obviously it doesn't seem likely that Heineke or Lucas would start, I mean, Ioannidis doesn't seem likely to start maybe even more because where's he going to, where is he going to go? But here's my thought. We just to say, so Car- at that point, we, I assume Kerrigan wouldn't be back, but they're, they've acted like they're going to sign a vet. They did just, you know, they did just draft two defensive ends in, in the, in the draft. Is it possible that the veteran defensive end is Jonathan Allen. That they just decide, okay, well, we've got to play Matt Ioannidis a bunch, and it's not like Tim Settle's a slouch. So when we need to take Chase Young or Montez Sweat off the field, we're going to move Jonathan Allen to defensive end. Now, he's obviously not a classic uh, edge rusher per se, but if, you're, if your point is to get the most – like right now, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even – I couldn't even definitively tell you who is the best free agent that I would say, but is the better, free, what would you rather have? Whoever is the best free agent out there playing snap or Ioannidis and settle getting more. That would be my question. I mean, in this situation, are Ioannidis and Payne your two starting defensive tackles then in the nickel? Or are you, are you starting Jonathan Allen? And then, cause you're still running into the stamina problem then too. 
if you're taking Young and Sweat off the field, then, you know, Allen is playing similar reps. So you're kind of running into that wall. And I think we saw as the year went on, like not so much last season, but in 2018 or 19, I believe. Yeah, 2018, when that the season started, Payne and Jonathan Allen were awesome. And then they, their snaps kept going up and they played uh, pretty much almost 99, like almost 90%, north of 90% of the snaps. And, um, you know, I think their efficiency went down a little bit as the year went on. And so I just don't know if Jonathan Allen could handle that type of workload. And, you know, I would probably try and sign a veteran because you also don't want that guy playing that much ideally anyway, just a couple of snaps. Like, you know, he returned to the Ravens, but a guy who was here a couple of years ago, like Pernell McPhee, something like that. I mean, I guess Kerrigan played 38% of the snaps last year. Now that number is actually slightly inflated because there was the the stretch where Case Young was hurt, right? So I guess all I'm saying is if it basically works out to like, it seems like Kerrigan's playing roughly 20 snaps a game, give or take. I'm just saying if you divide those snaps up between Jonathan, like if you get like Matt Ioannidis basically didn't play last year, only played the first, he got hurt in the third game. If you want to get him out there to the same level of snaps as Allen and Payne, hypothetically, I would think it would be reasonable for for that to happen. One way to do it is to move, have give some of Allen snaps at end. You also have the two kids they drafted in the seventh round, William Bradley King and Chaka Tony. They could maybe one of them perhaps get some of the other. I'm not I'm not arguing against the sign of the vet. I'm just looking at if part of the goal in general is to get your best players on the field as much as possible. One way to do that with this. With all, because otherwise, if if Allen and Payne play their standard, you still need to get Ionitis and Settle out there. Yeah, I know they did some five linemen situations, but not very often. So I don't know. Just 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 throwing it out there into the wind. We'll just see. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, of course, they signed Bobby McCain um, on Friday. I, I think we're all sort of presuming he'll enter camp as the favorite at free safety, but at the same point, I don't view it as as strong as I would do Charles Leno and certainly not Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick. That said, um, he, so, so McCain signed a four year, $27 million contract with Miami in, I think 2018, he was released after the draft. Um, I am telling this on here to our people on the podcast I'm not reporting it on Twitter yet because I, I, I've only heard this from one source and I, I don't know, somehow I feel like if I talk to you guys here or just among friends, I'm not really reporting it. But although if this, if I'm right, you'll give me credit later. Uh, I was told he signed a one year, $1.475 million deal that can go to 1.775 with incentives of some kind. Um, that seemed fairly low. And that was partly why I was like, ooh, I want to double check this. But I asked a couple of people and they thought it was probably fair considering post-draft and then also his, um, you know, was his play in, in, in a couple of people's opinions has, has declined post that contract. Obviously, Miami let him go for a variety of reasons, but among them, you know, cap also, you know, perhaps play. So, um, I mean, if that if that's the deal, one one point four seven five hard to argue at all. I was, I wasn't arguing it anyway, but hard to argue for that low cost for a guy with his versatility, who's again, arguably going to be their starting free safety. Right. And you know, it's less than what they paid Sean Davis last year. And they paid Sean Davis a $2 million signing bonus and he didn't even make the roster. And so, you know, maybe they learned their lesson that way where, you know, they brought him in and 
it, it does seem like it was interesting the other day we were talking to Ron Rivera after minicamp and Ben, you asked him about what um, battle training camp battles he, he's excited to see about kind of all over the roster and I mean, wide receiver, defensive end, he kind of went up and down the roster, but he didn't mention left tackle and he didn't mention safety. And those seem like the two biggest competitions, open competitions going into camp. And, you know, maybe he just doesn't seem or doesn't see safety as much of a need as, you know, the rest of us do. Because I don't know, Shazer Everett played pretty well last year and so did Jeremy Reeves. And Jeremy Reeves has progressed pretty much every year he's been on the roster. So maybe they like what they have in him. But yeah, I mean, Getting hit, getting McCain for 1.4 million is really good value, and you know getting Charles Leno at five million even I would say is pretty good value. So I think they've been really smart about their signings. There's not really a deal that they made this offseason that the money really jumps out and says, "Ooh, that might be a little bit of an overpay." Even someone like William Jackson, you know that that's essentially two years they can get out of it. And um, same with Curtis Samuel. So you know I think they're in a pretty good position. Uh, Pretty good spot here. By the way, if Matt sounds a little more, a little more strut in his step, what he's talking, he's in a brand new apartment, and that's always, you know, I I was like the first few days in a new place, makes you kind of feel like, you know, wow, look at this, but look how clean this is. And then eventually, I muck it up. But I mean, that those first few days, especially once you get done, the I don't mind the I don't mind the unpacking. The packing is the disaster. I can't stand the unpacking. That's ah, fine. It's like an adventure. It's like I got it's like I got presents. Oh, where did this come from? Look at that. So congrats! So congrats on congrats on that. What was the first What was the first meal you made? You're you're a noted chef. I have not made a meal yet in here because it's brand new and all my cooking utensils are in boxes. I don't know what I'm going to make yet. For we'll see what the plans are for Thursday. Because if I have to cover the Wizards, I will not be cooking. But if the Wizards do not have to play, then I will make a meal. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Uh, Quickly, and then we'll get to to to, to Scott Turner. Um, so, as I teased the other day, but now uh, hopefully you've seen it. If not, go take a look. Um, I, I had a story up on the Athletic with uh, Zach Boyer that the Washington Football Team is going to undergo its biggest uh, renovation of that much discussed field since the stadium opened. We're not talking about residing, which they've done before. We're talking about ripping up all of it, like four. You know, 14 inches down foot wide, whatever. Like they're doing a lot of stuff. The details are all in the athletic. I, you can go read that. The biggest takeaway I would say, Matt is one, uh, get your jokes in quick. Cause <laughs> but the, but the, there's, not, there's not much time's running out before you can keep making the jokes. If, if what, if they get, if they get this done right. And I assume they will, um, it's going to be ready in time for, um, preseason games uh, it should be ready by july it's starting today monday but it should be ready by july i think it was a two-month process um and the other thing was that they said that uh, a team official was quoted in the story said that um when i asked like how long does a turf project like this last I'm kind of wondering like you know yeah. you, you can tell me 20 years does that give me a hint about the stadium and his the response was it'll last through the lease of the stadium which is 2027 so not that we were doubting that they were going to something was going to change the stadium, but, you know, further confirmation that something is going to happen. Uh, although, you know, I, look, until somebody's uh, somebody decides who's poning up for the for the stadium in D.C. and Maryland, Virginia or whatever, um, who knows? So at the moment, it appears that, yes, it is going to be a new stadium, won't be at uh, 
FedEx. We haven't been on the turf in a while because we weren't allowed down there last year like we were in the, in the past. Um, are you excited to see new turf? Is this going to be a highlight of your post-pandemic life? I hope not, but, you know, it is It is interesting. I will say, I thought the field held up really well last year. Maybe because it was, you know, there weren't nearly as many people on it, but it seems like when we got to the later months, there wasn't that egregious, you know, ankle turn or anything like that. Now, Tim McLaurin sprained his ankle at home <laughs> playing against the Seahawks, but, you know, ankle sprains happen all over the NFL. So, uh, you know, there wasn't anything egregious, I don't think, that the field is – held up really well and you know we just saw in Ashburn they redid their practice fields as well and those look great so you know I think they're really committing here to try and upgrade their facilities obviously they need a new stadium they need a new practice facility but for what they can do in the short term these are long these changes are long overdue and they're finally doing them so they should be pretty glad about that for sure and one thing I think was also you're right about last year there was also no other events last year, no rock concerts, no college football games, no whatever. And that's also part of the story is like they think it's going to hold up for more stuff because obviously from the business perspective, it isn't just the football team. They need to get other uh, other events there. They, they actually were having I, I forgot to put this in the story, actually, but they were having a college graduation there Sunday, Catholic University. Um, and, you know, they want more things along those lines going forward so in any event check out the details are on the athletic you can go read that and again you get the deal for a dollar a month um quickly the wizards you are a man of many talents you cover um I, you had the job that i used to have which is cover everybody uh i don't do that as much anymore but the wizards you've, you've been on that trail you've been at the games you have thoughts you're a, a noted basketball player and Jokic fanatic um it as so we'll get this up before they play the Celtics. I didn't really talk about the specific game with Scott Turner. Cause I just didn't uh, wizard Celtics based on where these teams are right now. I think the wizards win by 800. I mean, the wizards are on a good space. Let's assume Bradley Beals playing on the injury does not well, hamstring, right? Let's assume, you know, playing on it didn't make things worse. And for whatever reason, he's, he's at least as where he was the other night, if not better. Um, the, the Wizards are, you know, been on fire, obviously, for a while. Westbrook was just named player of the month. The Celtics are reeling. Jalen Brown out. Um, they look discombobulated. Based on that, now the game is in Boston, but other than that, I, I mean, the Wizards, I, I won't say I'll be surprised if they lose. That would be insane. But at the same time, I think they've got to be considered the momentum favorite by a lot. Well, they're actually one-point underdogs. And maybe that's just because the game is in Boston. But – I do think they're going to win. I mean, you look at what the series really comes down to is who are the best players. And you could argue, and I will argue that the Wizards have the two best players on, on the court in that game. You know, Westbrook and Beal have had better seasons than even Jason Tatum. And the Celtics lost Jalen uh, Brown a few weeks ago for the season. So that really hurts them. And so, yeah, I, I kind of like the Wizards as well. I mean, you just never really know. It, it seems like one of those games that the Wizards could get really up early and then they're sweating things out late. Uh, the Celtics have a tendency to do that of just falling behind and then playing catch-up. So I kind of worry about their late game situations there, but I think the Wizards – I would pick the Wizards as well. Um, do we th- – so because they played 
you know, the last game of the year determined the eight seed. They, they, there was no experimental options. They got to go through it all. The one thing they did, we all, I think we've been kind of wondering is would they drop the three center rotation? They haven't ish. That's not an ish Smith joke. Alex Lynn's been started, but only playing a very few minutes and they're giving more to, to Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford, which is, I think a reasonable way to go. Is there any, from a tactical perspective, is there anything you would like to see, at least from the Wizards' perspective in this game? I guess for me, the one thing is, I'm not saying that Daniel Gafford definitively has to play because, look, he's still a young player. This is a different spot for him. The playoffs always, um, you know, it's a new level, right? And everybody's going to be desperate for this one. It's not a, for those who are unsure how this works, which I wouldn't blame you if you are, the Wizards and the Celtics are playing. The, Cel- the winner of this game is the seventh seed. Don't ask. The, lo- the loser will then play the winner of Indiana or Charlotte, and the winner of then of that game becomes the eighth seed. So there's not it's not a do or die situation. But if you win, you get the seventh seed, and Matt Paris can cook dinner in peace on Thursday. So these are the important things. Uh, uh, anything specific you would like to see occur for this game? I mean, I do think Daniel Gafford has to get some run, especially since, you know, they met three times earlier this season, but Gafford wasn't even on the roster yet. So, you know, you would like to see what he's able to do against them. It seems like he would be able to protect the rim a little bit better than, you know, going against a guy like Jason Tatum and stuff like that. But Alex, Alex Lynn is arguably the best rim protector, but you just really get no offense out of him and you need to get, uh, you know, offense out of that spot. Robert Williams has had a nice season for Boston, but that's not a matchup that I would be really worried about Gafford for, or even Robin Lopez, because, you know, we talked Gafford, 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 but Robin Lopez had an incredible game on Sunday. And, you know, he really closed that game down the stretch and deserved to. And Gafford, he was just okay. But, you know, I'd go Gafford heavy and, and Lopez. And then, you know, I don't really have a problem with them starting Alex Len, but... Maybe they switch it up because they fell again behind early at Charlotte. Maybe they want to avoid that hole. So, you know, it's not a do or die game, like you said, but they definitely, I think, would you rather play Brooklyn or Philly if you're Washington? Early on, like when this started becoming potentially interesting a few weeks ago, in my head, I was thinking Philly because, um, you know, at least it feels like, you know, they they obviously have – struggled-ish, you know, in the playoffs or whatever. I mean, I don't know if that's totally fair, but like, you know, the, it feels like there's maybe a potential that they could sort of mess up. But when you look at Brooklyn and obviously the three of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, I mean, good look, good luck against that, but they play no defense. And uh, look, if you're, you know, maybe the Wizards can get lucky between Westbrook and Beal, like in a Sixers series, I've made this argument before, the Wizards may arguably have the second and third best player in the series. Four through 10 is a different story. The Nets, that's not a, that won't be the case, but Beal and Westbrook will be all kinds of confident. And, you know, there's a reasonable chance those games will be 140 to 138. Uh, maybe they get, maybe they get lucky in, in that, in that sense. The Nets just don't play any defense either. So I, I guess the Nets, but. Yeah, no, I just don't think the Wizards have any answer for Embiid. Whereas, I mean, I don't think they have an answer for Harden or Durant or right. even Irving, but it's. I think they could at least score at a pace, like you said, to, to keep up with them and make the games interesting. Where I mean, and, and Harden and Kyrie are going to have to guard somebody. I mean, at least Beal or Westbrook, if not both of them, right? So um, that, that, that could be 
that could be interesting. All right, speaking of interesting, um, let's get to it. Uh, here is my conversation with Washington football team offensive coordinator Scott Turner, primarily about the Wizards, but I think if you're interested in how uh, a coach thinks watching other sports, I think you'll find it interesting. We talked about, again, like what, why do basketball players become tight ends? Obviously, there might be a reason why this is an interesting question for the Wizards. What position Russell Westbrook would play Scott, growing up? When did he become interested in the Wizards? And, uh, yeah, just learning, watching basketball and seeing things translate over to the game of football. Uh, let's get to it. My conversation with Scott Turner here on the Standing Room Only podcast. All right. Excited to welcome in our, our next guest. This feels like one of those dreams where, like, everything is out of context because I'm about to talk to Washington football team coach or Washington football team assistant. I can't even speak. We'll start over. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm excited to welcome in my next guest, although this feels like some sort of out of context dream because I'm about to talk about the Washington Wizards with Washington football team offensive coordinator Scott Turner, uh, because this is how the world is these days. It's very upside down, but you very much are into the Wizards. You tweet about them a lot, which is why the other day I tweeted I just want to have Scott Turner on my podcast and talk about Russell Westbrook and the Wizards, to which you then said, sure. I'm like, oh, okay, well, then we need to make this happen. So here we are. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, I mean, um, I've just been I've been watching the games uh, really, you know, more so as the season's gone on, um, you know, growing up in the area, you know, I was a fan of it was the Bullets at first and then changed the name to the Wizards. Um, you know, we used to go to games, even going back to USA Arena. And then when it uh, the they moved and it was the MCI Center um, back when um, you know when I remember going to the games uh, and then just being back here uh, and then and then also just uh, been a fan of uh, Russell Westbrook um, just from afar just from watching basketball I, I like I like basketball I like kind of in the off season being able to you know watch games at night both college and NBA and he, he's he's been a guy that um, just followed his career got a lot of respect for him and the way the way he approaches and plays. Uh, plays the game so he's a guy to, for me is easy to root for uh, so it just kind of all uh, all came together and then the way they've been playing you know they're they're fun to watch I like I like um, you know obviously them then they're winning but I think they're the number one team in pace in the NBA which to me is a lot more fun to watch those types of games <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so so just to go back to sort of the origin story here so you you came here in the 90s uh, when, when your dad was obviously coaching uh Washington yeah. uh the football team and at that point it's like Chris you got here in what in 94 uh, 94 so yeah. Chris Weber gets here the same year right for for that team with Jawan Howard and, and things right. are starting to ascend did you at that point sort of latch on to them and, and were they like because you've moved around a lot did they become your favorite team or are they still your yeah, quote-unquote yeah, favorite they're one, team they're one of my favorite teams I mean my um so growing up, you know, my family, we were, we're my whole family really is from California. My dad's from Northern and my mom is from um, Southern. And we've always been into sports. And then when my dad coached at, um, at USC, you know, he used to be able to go to this kind of the Showtime Lakers games. And um, so growing up as a kid, my dad was always rooting for the Lakers. So I was, I've always really kind of been a Lakers fan. Um, that was kind of my team. But then when you're a kid, you, you root for the hometown team. Um, and then as I've gotten older, it's not so much the uh, and living in a lot of different areas. I gravitate toward more so um, 
the players, you know, different players that you like based on, you know, professional athletics. I mean, being in it, you kind of get to know different kind of guys and there's certain things that you value um, and have respect for. And, and those are kind of the guys that, that I find myself um, rooting for. It's not so much, you know, the team and that, but, you know, I, I got a lot, you know, pride in this area and, and there's, um, and this area is important to me. So, you know, the teams in this around here, I always want to see them do well. Well, you sound like a modern uh, person these days. Cause I, for me, it, it was the team in the city. Now it does feel like people are more gravitate towards the players. You see with LeBron a lot, his, right. his fan base travels with him. They don't necessarily stay with whatever team. So I, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of get that, especially in your sort of nomad existence to some degree where you, you, you know, just in the last few years, you've been Minnesota, Carolina, now you're here. So, right. uh, so I get it. So we've been so many different places that it's hard to just latch onto one, but, but this one, it's a little different meaning for me just because growing up in the area and, and, you know, having some history um, with the, with this organization. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. So, um, you know, the, the wizard season and the season you guys went through, I don't know if you see it are eerily similar to me, both started off, poorly I mean they lost their first five games out of the gate obviously you guys were you know two and seven and at that point everybody's talking about the lottery for them and for you guys a top five pick and so on and then seemingly out of nowhere you guys obviously do what you did to win the division and the Wizards were I think 17 and 32 a month ago six weeks ago left for dead and you know same thing talking about what kind of pick are they going to get the draft and then they go in this incredible run. I, I, I want to say it was like finished 17 and four in the last 21, something like that. Don't, don't quote me people um, to being in this position. As we're talking now, it's Monday afternoon. The play-in game is tomorrow against Boston. They at least at a minimum have two chances to make the actual tournament. Did, did you, do you, do you see any kind of parallels with what they're doing and, and kind of the season that you guys just had? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's very, very easy to pull those parallels. I think, you know, talking, we we're talking about Russell Westbrook. I think he came to the team and um, it was a trade and, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a, you know, people are going to feel a certain way, one positively or negatively. And, um, and he, you know, he was playing hurt and, and he was trying to push through some injuries and, and then, you know, with all the COVID and, and everything and different things that we dealt with too, like, I'm sure that practice time was limited. Um, so they were kind of figuring themselves out um, as they went and as the, as the season went on, um, but they worked through a lot of those issues, um, and just kind of like, as we did and, you know, um, they kind of got to know each other and play well as a team. And, and you've seen that, um, kind of seen that translate and, and every single one of their games seems like it comes down to the, to the last possession. And I feel like, you know, a lot of our games were, you know, we're the same thing and that's, but that, that's, you know, that's how you learn how to, um, you know, to win. I mean, there's something, there's something to that, you know, finding a way, finding a way to, to win or to make those plays um, in the tough situations, um, whether it be offensively or defensively. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, we, let's, let's talk about him. Obviously he plays it with an insane amount of energy and, and relentless nature. And, and that is where his leadership comes from. And obviously leadership can come in a lot of different ways that talking about what you guys did, like Alex Smith, all we heard locker room leader, he can Russell Westbrook seemingly could not be more different as human beings. Westbrook is a force of nature in, in every way. When you watch him out there, what, as a guy who's been an athlete, now a coach, what, what do you see with a guy like that? Cause it, I think people get so focused on the triple double and the numbers and obviously it's spectacular, but I always point to the relentless pursuit of, I don't know, greatness, I guess, 
that he has not just every game, not just every half, not just every quarter, every single play, it's all out. And you don't see that, forget athletes, don't see that in human beings every day. So what, what, when you, from your seat, your unique situation, what do you see with this guy? Yeah, my, my whole thing with him is like just watching him from, I remember him coming out um, of UCLA and just watching his career that he, uh, like he, like you said, he brings it every night and um, he plays with a lot of intensity and that, and that can rub people the wrong way. Like I, I can understand that, but um, he obviously takes great care of himself. I mean, he has to be in unbelievable physical condition to be able to, to play um, that hard. Um, all the time, you know, I, I'm, you know, I think what he played 40, he played 40 minutes, you know, last game. I mean, he's barely, he's barely ever off the court. Um, you know, people give NBA players a hard time for not playing on both ends. And he does, he plays on defense um, just as hard on defense as he does, you know, offensively. Um, you know, he's might be one of the best athletes to ever play in the NBA as far as just size, speed, you know, explosiveness, um, all those types of things. And then, um, you know, you can just tell it's important to him. I mean, I already talked about the way he takes care of himself, but just, you know, the way he communicates um, with his teammates, you know, he's, he's coaching guys on the bench, you know, he's always, you know, communicating with the different players, um, you know, in timeouts, um, you know, talking about, you know, whether it's where they're supposed to be offensively, um, defensively. And, you know, there's a lot of times that people act like that and they're really hard on, you know, like a leader could be hard on somebody on the team, but, you know, they don't have the same intensity or they don't do it themselves. Where I think when you get somebody like him, you know, he, you can't ever question like his commitment um, and what he, how the way he's playing. So I think that, that kind of helps um, for the other guys when he does get on a guy or when he does try to push his teammates to be better. Like, obviously I'm not saying NBA players are not intense, but it seems like Westbrook is in, intensity is more, <laughs> goes to with, with your sport that the the that 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 ferocity almost i mean you see i mean the guy like bradley beal plays hard a lot it's something i've always noted and, and, and respected about him but it's not the same level of of like i'm gonna run you over you know i'm gonna you're gonna sort of like run run your mother over to get to the quarterback type type deal does doesn't westbrook seem like he has more yeah. of your guy's sport mentality well, i mean i think westbrook we could probably find find a role for him <laughs> um for sure i mean he you know he plays with a lot of physicality um, you know, he's a, you, you said he's a force of nature. I mean, that's, you know, that's for sure. Um, you know, the, the strength of the strength of his game. I mean, it, he's so fast. It, it, he can, it seems like, uh, I, I was able to go to the game yesterday and you watch him in person and, um, he runs by guys like they're like, they're standing still, you know, and, um, it, I think, you know, your competitiveness can show in different ways. It's very obvious with him, but any of the, I mean, to be able to play professional sports um, that you're going to be competitive. Some guys just, it just comes out differently. And, and he's a peak competitor in a world full of highly competitive people. Um, you, you mentioned you guys could find a role for him. Like, what is he like? I'm sure like, do you, when you watch games, do you think to yourself, Ooh, what do I do with that guy? What would I, what would he be? It feels, it feels like he's a safety no, I, I think I'm not, come on, I'm not giving him the other side of the ball. He's playing. <laughs> oh my bad, that that is yeah. insane. <laughs> he's gonna play. I mean, he, you know, he he's a big receiver, right? I mean, you're gonna throw him the bot. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much he weighs, but I think uh, I think we I think we'd throw him the ball. I think we'd get him as a receiver, see if people can cover him. Well, that, well, that is funny, right? I'm viewing him as a guard, so six three. I'm like, hey, he's not that big. Oh wait, that's actually yeah, that would yeah. actually be pretty. That would actually be pretty yeah. big. Yeah, very big, uh, very big receiver. Like when you watch games, now you're watching it as a fan, obviously, but 
or a coach, I, I know for me, like it's hard for me to turn my brain off of my job. So when I'm watching, when I'm reading different writers or I'm watching other sports and seeing what's being said, sometimes I do think, oh, I wonder how could I translate this to what I do? It feels like there is some momentum out there in the world where, where uh, basketball is become, or football is becoming more like basketball to a degree, more wide open, obviously multiple receivers, things like that. Do you watch basketball and see things at, on the court and see yourself and think, boy, maybe this is something we could do with what we do? No, I mean, it's not so much like that. When you watch basketball, it's more so um, like there's some the spacing and then just more it's more of like the individual matchups. Like you're kind of um, really just like evaluating like people's athleticism. Um, obviously, the games are are so different, but it is it definitely is football is going to where more so where it is more wide open, spread out. And you do um, kind of isolate a matchup, you know what I mean, where um you get, you know, two players an offense, defense player in amount of space and even a man or zone, that person has to cover them um, and create space, you know, for an offensive guy to, you know, make a guy miss or to beat a guy in a route or something like that. There is that aspect of, you know, evaluating athletes and uh, their strengths and weaknesses, you know, based on matchups. By the way, I want to come back to the Wizards specifically, but like to the idea of uh, play, uh, basketball players converting, why do they all convert to tight end? What specifically is it about that position that makes it so? Obviously, you guys have one of these right now with Samus Reyes, a college basketball player, but Antonio Gates and and so on. Why why that position? Um, I I thought about this a little bit. Uh, I think if you look at those guys, um, like Antonio Gates, uh, Tony Gonzalez, um, Julius Peppers played basketball. Um, those guys are all guys that were kind of uh, like very good post players. Um, very good, you know, kind of forwards um, that weren't quite big enough to be NBA basketball players. If you if you really evaluate it, right. but that side, that six five six six height is perfect height for a tight end. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, Jimmy Graham, same deal. I mean, you're not going to be six five and playing power forward um, in the NBA. Now you can go play in college. I mean, Antonio Gates was there, he was at Kent State, and he was a leading scorer, leading rebounder for an Elite Eight team. Um, and they, he was outstanding, obviously, and he's an all-pro tight end um, because, you know, that's a great size. Um, and some of those, you know, skills of going up and getting the ball, you know, getting rebounds, those types of things, um, you know, that's like going up and getting the ball in the red zone. There's some things that translate um, to that. But that that's where, that's where I always thought because it was um, – someone that, you know, they were playing a position um, that, you know, you need to be, you know, 6'10", you know, 6'9", um, you know, where to really those are the guys that are playing that position. That's how tall they are um, in the NBA. And, and those guys just quite, you know, aren't quite that range where they, they get um, – there's a little bit, you know, undersized uh, at the professional level. And, uh, but they're not obviously when they come over and play tight end. <laughs> right. So, so let's talk about the wizards uh, specifically. Now, as I said, we're talking on a Monday, I'm not a thousand percent sure when I'm going to get this up, maybe before the Boston game or not, but what has stood out to you? We talked about Westbrook and he has obviously played at an all NBA level the last month, six weeks. He was obviously the opposite of that earlier in the year. We found out he was dealing with uh, a, a, a leg injury. He's obviously re re recovered and, and played at a spectacular level. And the team has gone with him, but Bradley Beal has been an all NBA level player all year, but obviously a lot of the role guys are doing well now. And, you know, you have to give Scott Brooks some credit 
for what's happened as well. So when you sort of look at it in totality, both as a fan, but also as a guy who's a coach in, in sports, what, what stands out to you about why they've been successful broadly? You know, they have a good amount of guys to me that are very, you know, that are, that are athletic and they got guys that kind of fill different roles. I mean, um, it seems like they can all run pretty well. And, and that's, they've, they've done a great job of really being intense defensively. So they create a lot of, you know, offense through defense, you know, where they'll, you know, get a turnover or they'll get a long rebound on a three-pointer and then they don't waste any time. I mean, that uh, my dad and I were at the game yesterday and we, he, he looked at me and, and he hasn't watched them like I have. He's in, he lives in Del Mar, California. So he's not watching the Wizards game, you know, but uh, he said, they don't, he said, they don't waste any time. I said, no, that's what, and that's what I was talking about as far as their pace, you know, they push it um, and they got guys that can run. I mean, we were talking about, he was like, who's that little guy? And I was like, oh, Ish Smith, you know, because he he flies down the court, you know, um, and he does a great job. And they, and they steal some buckets in transition um, that way. And then, um, you know, talking about Robin Lopez uh, and the role that that he plays as far as just that kind of old school, uh, old man moves down in the post, you know, with the, with the hook and the up and unders. Um, so they can they can attack you uh, that way. And then Beal, you know, Beal's lights out and he's such a smooth um He's such a smooth athlete that he can create his own shot, you know, both with the step back off the dribble and then he's going to knock it down um, with the with the open shot. And, and, and those, you know, and then you got um, uh, whatever, Rue, uh, Rue and, uh, you know, he's coming on. Um, so and then just with Beal and Westbrook, there, there are a lot of the attention is on those guys. So it, it allows these other guys to kind of play with confidence. Um, and when you get when you win, you know, and you start winning, you know, that there is a little bit more confidence. And you feel like you're going to find a way to um, find a way to work it out and guys play free um, and they get you get the most out of players. Um, you mentioned the idea that they're moving really up, up fast up and down the court. That is I mean, Scott Brooks wants to move up and down, but ultimately, to some degree, the point guard is going to dictate that. And Westbrook is clearly, like I said, a high energy guy moves up and down. I've always said that. From the outside, I've not been in the locker room, but from the outside, as somebody who's been interested in this for years, that, you know, I view it that teams take on the personality of the dominant figure. In the NBA, that tends to be the best player on the team because one player controls so much of the action. It doesn't have to even be LeBron James or Russell Westbrook, but just whoever the best player is is going to have the ball the most, and they tend to do that worse, say, in your sport. I often would imagine maybe it's more of the head coach is overseeing everything that has far more control, maybe it's the quarterback if we're going to assign it to a player. Do you kind of see it in that way? And then to that end is therefore what we're seeing with the wizard, with the wizards, sort of this Russell Westbrook's personality kind of manifesting over kind of everything. I think so. I think, you know, I think that intensity that Russell Westbrook plays with, I think that uh, that does rub off. Um, I think that though, but I think, you know, with Russell Westbrook and Scott Brooks, you know, them being together in the past, they obviously have a relationship. Um, I think that there's a clear, it seems as outside, I know, I know nothing. I'm just saying as a, as an outsider watching, it seems like, you know, they're very, they're on the same page for as far as how they're, they're trying to play the game out. Um, and they've been doing that, you know, they've been doing that with the, with the pace. Um, but I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the team, the good teams, you know, they're going to take the, take on the, the attitude or the, you know, personality of, of what you're saying, their best player, the most dominant player. And I think that the NFL, that's true with the, uh, with the coach and, and, um, the quarterback as well, or, you know, kind of the, it's different because in the NBA, 
everyone plays offense and defense in the NFL, there's two sides, you know? Um, and I think that like a defense can take on the best, the characteristic and the personality of, you know, their best player, whoever that may be. It might be a linebacker, a defensive lineman, a safety, a corner, you know, whoever that is. Um, and then, you know, the offense um, could do the same thing and it might be the quarterback, um, but, you know, it could just be, you know, there's other guy, it could be, you know, alignment or, or like the line, they're going to play to the level of, you know, their leader too. You know, there's a lot of like the NFL and football is a little bit more like specific, like skill set specific to position where in the NBA, you know, you got perimeter players and you got, got you know, front court guys and back court guys, but like you got, you got to play, you got to play on both ends of the court. You got to do, be a little bit more uh, multifaceted um, at your athletic skills. Um, so as we're talking, like I said, the, the playing game is um, tomorrow. We'll just say the Wizards get in one way or the other. The seventh seed or the eighth seed, we don't know yet. But depending on what they what they would get, they would either face the Nets or the 76ers. You clearly are watching the sport. What, would you, what from a matchup perspective, do you have a preference? The 76ers? I know no. if I ask you from the football, you would tell me, now nah, we just want to play anybody. But would you? Would you? I, I think, I mean, you can make arguments. I think that Embiid's going to be tough to stop. But I think, like, they're going to have to outscore whoever they play. They're not going to, you know what I mean? They're they're going to have, you know, and again, that part of that is just their style. Um, you know, the Nets, I mean, to me, they're both really good teams. I mean, you talk about Durant Harden and Kyrie Irving on the same team together. If they're all healthy and they're all playing – I mean, I would say that, that anyone in the NBA is going to have a tough time beating them. Um, and then the way Embiid's been playing, um, you know, they're going to be a tough going to thing. I think, I think they just want to win, and that'll play them, have them play the Nets. They want to play beat, beat, beat the Celtics tomorrow, go be the seventh seed, finish, keep, keep on the high note that they're on, you know. Um, I think you said, I think, I think they're 17 and six or 16 and six in their last 22 or 23. I think that's the, I think that that's the record. And I think they just want to keep, keep winning, you know, and, and, and go and go compete and kind of see, see how it plays itself out, you know, because of um, the way that they did play earlier in the year and working through those things. That's why they're in the situation. I think, um, I think the future looks really good for, for next year to where there might be more of a, you know, middle, middle seed um, and not have to play such a tough matchup early, but you know, it is what it is now. And I think that, you know, they're, they're not going to back down to any competition talking about, um, you know, what you were saying earlier with just the personality of the team and, you know, Westbrook and all that kind of stuff. So whoever it is, you know, uh, I'm, just, I'm excited to watch the games. And um, I think the best thing to do is because I think you can make arguments either way for the team. I think the best thing is just get the seven seed and, you know, win on Tuesday, rest up, be everybody healthy to go, you know, start that series against the Nets. Right. I don't think there's such a thing as a better matchup because both opponents are insane. And if you say the Nets, if I had to pick one, I would pick the Nets only because the Nets don't play any defense. So maybe the Wizards can outscore them, like you said, but with Beal and Westbrook, I guess you at least have a puncher's chance. Although Durant Harden and Kyrie Irving just sounds, yeah, uh, sounds like you're facing the Avengers or something with, with that level of, uh, of, of talent. Uh, well, Scott, I really appreciate it. I look forward to reading more of your your tweets as the Wizards keep going. As I can, the, the last six tweets you had prior to this moment were all about the Wizards. So, yeah, I uh, mean, 
I mean, I, I just, you know, we, we talk most of the time I'm, I'm dealing with football and then I watch the Wizards game at home. So I don't, you know, I kind of keep the football stuff, you know, that's a, that's professional and we don't, I don't need to share any of that. I'll keep that, <laughs> keep that to myself. Um, but, you know, it's just fun. It's fun to just be, be a part of it and be part of the, um, you know, every, I think a lot of people in this area are watching the game and cheering for the Wizards and, um, you know, just to be a part of the community and, um, you know, I'm excited, excited about it and just show that. To the, uh, and I just said the one thing about Westbrook and then it kind of caught fire. So, I said, Hey, we'll just, you know, we'll go with it. You know? Oh, he's a popular guy. I mean, it, he is, there are really good NBA players and then there are celebrities, NBA players, and he's definitely in the celebrity category. Uh, I, I meant to ask before, is there anybody else in the building? I know I've seen Ron's been at wizards games in the past, but is there anybody else in the buildings as a secret wizard or NBA fan uh, that you talked to about these things? Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of talk about it. Um, uh, the, our receiver coach Drew Terrell, you know, he he likes, it. and then uh, uh, secondary coach Chris Harris, he's a, he's a big he's a big NBA guy um, too. So I'll, I'll stop by his office and and kind of talk to talk to him about it. And, and I told like I, t- I saw him today. I said I went to the game yesterday. He was like, man, he was like I had, he had a like his one of his sons had a game or something. So he's like I was following the score and I saw they were they were down big, and then all of a sudden I saw they won. I was like, yeah, they you know they turned it around, but. You know, it's just kind of stuff that you, you talk about, um, you know, around the building. Gotcha. Well, look, uh, b- best of luck to your rooting interest. Uh, what I, mean, I, I, I can back you on the Wizards. I'm not a Laker. I'm not a LeBron guy, so I can't really help you on the Lakers. If you're no, no that, that's no, that's fine. They're in the play-in, too. They're on the, uh, on oh. the other side of it. And, I, and honestly, like, it was more so as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten um, gotten away gotten away from that um, uh, a little bit. But they, you know. They're still they're still fun to watch, and I was a big I was a big Kobe guy. So yeah, you know, yeah. gotcha, cool. All right, well that, that'll be fun too. LeBron against Steph Curry in the playing game. You really yeah, can't ask sure. much for more than that. Right. Um, Scott Turner, definitely appreciate. It. Normally this is where I plug somebody and say go find them there, but I think people know where to find you. Uh, right. It'll be a minute. We'll see you out at OTA soon. But I appreciate the time. Sounds good, man. Good talk. All right, um, that was. A fun interview. I, I didn't let Matt listen to it because, um, you know, he's going to have to download. The, I need to download. He's going to have to download uh, wherever he does his podcasting. Um, Subscribed. Qu- quickly, before um, I let you go back to civilization, um, OTAs are coming up. The first of three comes up on like eight, eight days, nine days at this point. Uh it was t- today. I, I don't remember. Uh, basically, uh, well, I think it was seventy-six of the ninety players on the roster uh, were in attendance, um, which is I don't know. Kind of seems like a, bit, a a pretty good number, considering a lot of teams out there are um, having players not show for these voluntary workouts. Rivera has has expressed they are voluntary, which they are, but it's often voluntary. But don't 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 miss it. Uh, kind of kind of deals. Um, is there any, what's the one thing for you that you're most interested, whatever it is, a, a position, how somebody physically looks, does somebody get a haircut? I don't know, whatever it is, what's the one thing you're kind of most interested when we, in theory, see most of, if not the bulk of, if not most of the team, um, in like eight or nine days? Yeah, I mean, nothing too much, I guess, just to see how the offense looks with Fitzpatrick back there and all the speed at wide receiver, you know, seven and seven 
there's not much to take from that, but it'll be pretty fun to watch. Should be anyway. And I miss one-on-ones. I wish they would have more one-on-ones in brackets. That doesn't seem like a very a Ron Rivera thing as much as it, it was under Gruden. That was a lot of fun with Gruden. Like that was the, they they put the receivers and the defensive backs um, on the field, and you'd see you know Josh Norman going up against uh, whoever was the 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 the, the top uh, receivers and and um, or whoever you know whoever was out there. Yes, I'm 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 not suggesting that covering a practice is, you know, like working in the mines or anything. It's not, it's not that tough of a job, but it's going to be boring to be straight out watching these guys stretch and do not much else, but getting to watch the one-on-one battles was definitely the most fun. And yeah, Rivera, at least to this it's point, is but, but it's you know, right. training camp. It was more 11 on 11. Right, right. Right. But yeah, we'll see. at least, you know, the, the, the interesting thing with these types of practices is we're only out there for one day for each session. Um, so we'll be out there three times and we get all three days of the mandatory minicamp mid June. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. Um, I mean, I talked about a few different things, I guess, like to some degree, I guess I'm interested to see Jamin Davis. I mean, we've heard so much about, um, you know, the first round pick and, and all the athleticism, but we didn't really see any of that the other day. If somebody caught him swiveling his hips, doing a drill. Great. If you want to extrapolate what that means, I mean, good, got, got good on you, but I want to see him actually do stuff matched up against, um, you know, whether he's covering a Logan Thomas or he's battling a, you know, offensive lineman, you know, what to whatever degree. And again, it's, it's practice. They're not going to go too hard, but I'm just saying whatever he's going to do, I'm interested to see it. So I'll, I'll go with Jamin Davis as my, as my thing I'm interested in watching. Yeah. Just quickly there. And I, I'm interested to see how Sam Reyes uh, keeps progressing because it was sometimes pretty rough during mini camp. Understandably, he hasn't really played football before, but it was also trying to see him grow with it. And you could see the potential of him hauling in catches and that sort of thing. But I'm interested in how much can this guy grow even over the course of eight, nine days since we last saw him. Um, very true. All right. So, um, the the, the uh, I was trying to think of a good segue for there, but I, I don't know. I was gonna say the, the, I, I really uh, been happy with how the podcast has grown over the last few months. I don't know. I was terrible. Anyway, um, many thanks to Scott Turner for his time, even if we only talked about the Wizards. But I, I, I the team I like talking about, so why not with him? I enjoyed that. Many thanks to Matt Paris, who is always willing to jump in, even when he gets the literally last second um, invitation. Go follow Matt on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris. Go read his stuff on the Washington Times. Go listen to his podcast. He's not quite positive the name, but you can find oh, it on the Washington Times. Is, I, I double checked it. It is District of Sports. Oh, okay, good. Well, now at least now we know that for sure. So you can go find that on the Washington Times. I assume it's also wherever you do uh, your podcasting. And uh, like I said, go, go go subscribe at Athletic a dollar a month, but hit, click one of my articles. Otherwise, I don't really care. I'm kidding. I care, but. Not really. Go go click on mine. All right, that's it for now. Appreciate you guys. Uh, for real, for real. Until next time. See ya.